Pornhub. Pornhub. The Pornhub Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pornhub Podcast. Pornhub's latest collaboration is The Pleasure Principle. It's a fine art exhibit that's described as a show that dismantles the art porn binary, positing arousal as a universal goal, transcending boundaries that separate the sexual from the aesthetic, the surreal from the sensible, the occult from the mainstream. You can catch the exhibit now in Los Angeles at 300 South Mission Street. Today's guest is the owner of the gallery and curator of the show, Michelle Macaron. She and I sat down about a week prior to the opening of the show, and since then I've seen the exhibit and it totally blew my mind. I'm pretty dumb when it comes to art, but the show was beautiful. It's totally different than anything I've ever seen, and it's immersive, and some parts like even made me want to cry. <laughs> so anyway, here's the interview, and definitely go check out the show if you can. Enjoy. It's so funny because I think in the way the world works is everyone sort of gets relegated into a role. Mm -hmm. And if there's a brand, it's, it's, there's Michelle. She's doing something outside of the box, ahead of the curve, way, way before anyone's time. Crazy Michelle. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But at the same time, I'm always ahead. I'm always ahead. I just, it's just invariably, it's. I was the first gallery in the Lower East Side. I was one of the early galleries to start mixing celebrity and art and and kind of always pushing, pushing, pushing. And I was always interested in the various ways that art kind of intersected uh, culture and commerce and using it in all variety of ways as opposed to just putting art on a wall. Mm -hmm. And... I guess I've always been very conscientious about an audience and it's not just like, oh, I'm going to do this exhibition. And it's always, I always think, what are people going to think and how is this relevant and how urgent is that? And that's always the, that's always the kind of major criteria is urgency. Well, whether you like it or not, I mean, you kind of have to be a brand if that's the goal, I, I guess right? That's what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm saying because I am creating a context or a house in which I'm doing exhibitions which are motivated by something very specific. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like a hodgepodge. And right. I do think I do have personality for better or for worse because a lot of times I think a gallery should be a very um, a very objective place. And But it's not. It's, it's, it is subjective because I'm making the decisions. I'm creating the context. So yeah, I hate to say that there's a brand mm-hmm. and I'm – kind of ambivalent about my brand because it's something that I'd like to start pivoting and challenging more Mm -hmm. and the idea of being an art world gallery and immersed in that art world I'm not actually very interested in I'm actually interested in really moving ahead and uh being involved in something that's really uh, cross-disciplinary and uh, uh and in, I'm really interested in the intersection of art, entertainment, technology, um, design. Mm-hmm. I mean, however you want to. I'm even pl- wondering, place like, it. is it even possible to be in the art world and not, or to have a gallery and not 
be a brand? Like, is that possible? I, 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 or it to has be a good to, gallery? Well, yeah. I mean, okay, let's just break it down. A gallery is a store. And you go to that store to buy that thing. And you buy, go to that store to buy that thing. So, yeah, of course. It's inherently a brand. Mm-hmm. Actually, so that's actually kind of a great place to start. So, you know, I'm, I'm from New York. I have more friends who are artists than, you know, nine-to-fivers. And yet I'm pretty... I'm pretty uneducated when it comes to art. So I guess I want to start by asking you, like, what what even is an art dealer? What is an art gallery? Oof. What is a curator? Oof. <laughs> Let's start with curator, because that, I think, is where it starts. Um, and are all those things, do you have to be all those things in order to I have a gallery? I think so. I mean, I think, I think it starts with uh, curation. Mm-hmm. And for me, what... I think on the most basic terms, a gallery is a space in which you show artwork. And you can deal with that in a variety of ways. And the way, and I'll just kind of walk you through how I see it and how I think it's also changing. So one thing is, is you open the space and Mm -hmm. the space sort of dictates what type what type of work you show if it's a small gallery you're going to have to show small scale work if it's a large gallery you may have options to show installations and video and it it really depends sometimes the architecture determines what kind of art you're able to show and that's really interesting you would say that though because you would think that you would choose what kind of art you want to show and choose the space based on that. Well, in terms of economics sometimes that's not the case. Interesting and you're actually really well known for your first gallery you were just walking down the street one day yes and yeah you- and that it did you know the architecture did determine it in that way right like for me it's kind of simultaneous I always have an idea of what type of artists and I want to show and in the beginning I was it was very specific that I wanted to show artists who made who had gigantic ideas and their work was manifested in a variety of disciplines. So most of the artists I worked with early days, and even, and it continues now, are artists that work in sculpture, media, painting, drawing. And I was really interested in, in sort of multimedia and installation. So my first show was an all-over experiential installation. And I've come full circle because I want to return to um, and what you'll see with the Pornhub show, which is what I'm really, really, really obsessed with, is there's a lot of interactive work. There's a lot of work that is um, uh, is activated by participation and by performance. And to me, that's not something that's been really uh, – in terms of the traditional art galleries and the traditional art world galleries, I feel like that's something a little bit from the past. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to bring back mm-hmm. um, this interaction. And to, there's so much of it happening in this exhibition. And at first, it started as a real kind of historic narrative. And I'm sort of now obsessed with this idea that I think art needs to be experiential and you need to be really engaged. And it's not just about looking it's about looking and, and being, being part of it. Yeah. Interesting. So so, so back to the, the yeah, curating. Yeah, sorry, I'm going all over. No, 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 because no, I definitely want to talk about the show. But um, so. You're going to have to edit the shit out of this. And I feel really badly. <laughs> no, there's like almost zero editing that goes into it. But I like that. Oh, dear. <laughs> but um, so 
so going back to the curating, owning a space, um, it's, I think you have an idea of the artist you want to work with. Okay. Or the type of artist you want to work with. Which is what? Well, there's different motivating factors. I mean, there's some galleries that open and sometimes... I mean, you though. Oh, for me? Mm-hmm. There was never a commercial aspect, which is kind of the failure of the gallery. I never opened the gallery thinking that I would sell anything. Which is really... That really goes against what I imagine an art gallery to be. Right. <laughs> it's a store. I mean, if you look at it, it's a business and a store. And for me, because I'm a weirdo and a freak... And a contrarian. I mean, I'm someone who goes against the grain and I'm someone who's a bit of a disruptor. And for me, opening up a gallery meant not necessarily a gallery. It was an exhibition space. Mm -hmm. And my first inclination was, okay, I'm going to open a space and we're going to show art. And in order to keep the space going, we're going to sell it. Well, therein lies the definition of a gallery. Right. But in my my crazy brain, my mixed up brain, the idea was a space and you have to keep the space going because it needs to be programmed with art. So in that... And by re- definition, it ended up being an art gallery. Right. Because there's someone had to pay the rent. Right. Right, right, right. And it right. wasn't a non for I mean, it obviously was a non for profit because I never made money. So when you have, when you have an art gallery, you represent certain artists you do and is that like is that an exclusive contract or? uh no it's a handshake oh oh it's, so it's not, not even a contract contra- it's not contractual I would going forward if I had to choose it all over again going forward I would not represent artists I would do exhibition by exhibition I would have contracts with certain artists who I felt that I could do a lot for and work with one or two artists that I quote unquote represented managed so that that I think I think the model is is really problematic because when you represent an artist you have an obligation to do an exhibition every few years by that artist and you have a roster so say you represent 10 people and you have to support 10 people and every couple of years you have you and what does support mean support means uh Put on their show. Exhibiting their work, which has costs. Uh, So that's the materials? Uh, Well, it's it's, you have to pay your overhead. You have to pay your rent. Uh, You have to install the work. Mm -hmm. But I meant on the artists and like, do you pay for their material? Is it an advance? It depends. It depends. Every situation is different. If it's someone who's very production heavy, there's probably some sort of agreement about sharing production or the gallery maybe fronts the production and if it's maybe something that's you know photography or requires framing the gallery usually usually pays for the framing okay so like as as, their costs so when you're representing the artist you're basically like a record label yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of likenesses um to the music industry, to the entertainment industry. It's all about representation. And uh, and I guess in that representation, there's responsibility on both parties. I mean, I can't even imagine. It's tough. Artists are known to be like wacky people, right? Not just wacky, but I think... And I think more so recently because economically things have changed so drastically. Mm-hmm. 
And I think artists are very much wanting to maintain their careers. Mm -hmm. And it's more, it's become more and more competitive and the cost of living is more and more expensive. So in order to maintain a studio, um, there needs to there needs to be sales but from the gallery's point of view i i would imagine that's a good thing because i'm thinking like artists are not known to be business savvy no so the gallery takes on that role where they're right. the intermediary you're the, manager. the manager you're the intermediary between the studio and the collector but the unfortunate part going back to representing artists is you have a responsibility to a particular artist you do an exhibition it sells if it doesn't sell, that work is all still out there. Right. And then two years later, you do another show, and that doesn't sell. So, and you just start accumulating artwork. So either the gallery storing all this artwork that's unsold, or it, just because someone does an exhibition doesn't mean the work sells. Right. But so, you've already spent the money. And But you've already spent the money. And there may be a situation where an artist has consigned you work, and you framed the whole show. And so the framed body of work is sitting in your storage, and but you it's crazy because time moves on mm -hmm. and as time moves on people are maybe interested in the newer work so the older work kind of just languishes and what I makes me nervous about the art world is there's so many galleries there's so many art fairs there's so much artwork I get stressed out and nervous thinking about this huge accumulation of of objects basically sitting in millions of storages i mean i always joke and say that the storage facilities and the shippers are the ones that are making the most amount of money not the <laughs> artists the and not the oh yeah they're making you know because if a show no matter what you do the show the art has to get shipped to the show the art has to get installed right it sits in and the show and like, then afterward it's got to go somewhere right you can't throw it out I and mean, a lot of artists art. can't afford the storage or right. don't have the space and it's the gallery, I mean, the gallery adds a 50% commission on top. So the traditional expectation is that in order for a gallery to do that, they take on all the responsibility of photography. I mean, they're basically the custodians of the work. The artist makes the work and then the gallery becomes the custodian. So they're responsible for conserving the work, ship, um, shipping insuring i mean the other thing is insurance is huge so the costs are enormous whether right. the work sells or not which is why i think it's tricky to represent artists because there's an unspoken uh i don't know pact and tradition so i don't know i mean it's it's i think it's ever-changing mm -hmm. i don't I think there's a lot of galleries. I think there are a lot of art fairs. And I can't imagine there's that many people in the world that well, want to buy art. I, so I, it makes me nervous. So the it bread keeps and, me up at night. The bread and butter is the art collectors, right? Or is it the person that buys one painting and done? Well, there's a lot of one painting and done. Okay. And there are collectors who buy multiple things. And there's certain galleries that have relationships with certain collectors who come back and buy more and more. But they, it, in terms of like a brand, they're loyal to that brand. So who are these collectors? Are they are they just art lovers or are they investors? Well, or they're both. They're both. And historically, when I started out in the art world in the early '90s, the collectors were pharmacists, doctors, lawyers, um, not billionaires. Right. They were just regular kind of run-of-the-mill people who were just really interested in art and wanted to participate in it, wanted to 
it was a joy for them to walk around to the galleries. It was a joy to them to go to the museums. It was fun to go to a gallery on a Saturday and eat a sandwich with a dealer um, gallerist and have a conversation. What's new? What studios have you been to? Oh, what I see this show. What do you have in the back? Tell me about this show. It was a lot of storytelling, and mm-hmm. there was time, and it w- was it, there was, and there weren't um, there weren't consultants. It was really about your relationship, and you so would it was develop less of a business. It was less of a business. It was more like a mom and pop, right? Like you would go in, like for example, I don't get my medicine from CVS. I go to an old school pharmacy in uh, in Brentwood. Mm-hmm. And every time I go in, I have a long conversation with the pharmacist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in New York, I, I was loyal to this place, Thomas uh, Thompson Chemist, and I would go in. He knew me. We'd have a conversation. I like that. Mm-hmm. And I miss that in the art world. And I miss that in my gallery where it and used to be. And you're saying now it's more. Investors. It's more big box. It's more it's, the it's, Costco. It's, it's not just that. It's business. I mean, it's a real business, and I feel like I'm not a business person. And you feel like it's more of an like an investor's world now? Yes, yes, which is why the market is really stratified. There's people buying at the lowest end, hoping that that work is going to accrue a lot of value, or there's people buying blue chip things that are, will never lose their value. And so this whole middle market, which is where I was mm-hmm. or where I am, has been kind of squeezed out. And who is – who – puts value who is putting the value on art is it you no who who is it who, there's... who puts the price tag on a piece of art like how come one painting like let's say this painting we're looking at right now if it were by a very famous artist it would be a million dollars but if it were by nobody the same painting same skill it would be five dollars like mm-hmm. what who is deciding that I get asked this question all the time, and I used to be able to answer it, and I can't anymore. To me, it seems it's gotten a lot more arbitrary than – it feels like the trends are cycling really quickly. So what did it used to be? um, It used to be that an artist who had a museum pedigree, who – was exhibiting in museums who had a slow career that there were certain important collections like there were very important collections museum level collections that would buy certain artists and people would hear about that um and say like oh well that collector's buying that work that must be important for not valuable work Mm -hmm. but important work and then the value kept accruing as but what was that based on was it based on skill level like I I think there was a there was this moment where it was really about a... Or is con- it one person's taste? I think there was more... I think there was more of a consensus. And I do think it was more derived by... It was... I think at one point, critics had a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there was a stamp of approval in terms of critically... Uh, in terms of institution, institutionally, critically. And I think those things were really, really important. And they started to add value. And then when collectors started getting behind that work that had, you know, critical and institutional success, that sort of built the value and built the value and built the value. But there are artists who had early on a lot of value. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of go away for a bit. And somehow they have a resurgence. And then that builds again. And then at the second round or sometimes later, the auction houses mm-hmm. determine the value. But I guess like what I'm really curious. So – 
I don't think I have an eye for art, I guess. I, I mean, I can look at a painting and I don't think I, I like do. it or not. I, I think no, I don't stop. either. You have to. You must. I, you may not think you do, it, but you do. I don't know if it's an art. Uh, I mean, an eye. I think it's a feeling. Okay. It's like I, because I can walk into a studio and be like, yes or no. Okay, and so I you have, have walked whatever into, that is. But I've also walked into studios, a lot of studios, with artists who wanted to work with me, and they are super famous, make a super ton of money, and I kind of was like, eh. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, for example, like, take Picasso. Take uh-huh. a Picasso painting. I would, if I were an art dealer, I would never look at a Picasso painting back in the day before he was anybody. Right. I would never have looked at a Picasso painting and thought, yes. I want to represent Picasso. So what? What? Yeah, is it? I would like, be the one what? that'd be like, Nah, I don't know. <laughs> let me, let me. I don't know about so this guy. So do you? So so, what is it then? What is it that it's just the feeling? It's for just me. It's an instinct? about the the artists themselves. So it's and the, the way I engage with them. I'm really interested in stories. I love artwork that has stories behind it. So for you, it's not the aesthetic. No, that's actually really interesting. I'm personally not a collector because I'm not interested so much in the object. I'm interested in the ideas and the story behind it. And I'm not personally a collector at all. And the things that I am interested in collecting are completely oddball, weird, um, uncommercial. Yeah, I'm not a collector of things. Like I said, I'm a real minimalist. And for me, art has, I've always wanted to promote a conversation and not so much objects. Although I understand aesthetics and I understand things that are beautiful. But I always said that the gallery wasn't about showing beautiful objects. It's about showing people. It's showing ideas and stories. So how do you know what, what is a story that you want to show? Like what, how it just anything unconventional or not necessarily unconventional um I'm just trying to think what who which artist would be a really for example the artist that I'm most excited about right now and who I've been showing for the last two years and who will be in the Pornhub show um by the way it's called the pleasure principle I keep calling it the Pornhub show (laughs) because for me Anyone else would be like, oh, my God, Pornhub, what are you talking about? And for me, it's the most exciting thing to be engaged with a, uh, a place. For me, Pornhub is a place of disruption. It is a place that there's no censorship. There's no limitations. And that used to be the place of art. Mm. And I don't think it is anymore, which really scares me. Interesting. So – I mean, so I call it the. I keep calling it the porn. Oh, right, 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 right. So there's this one artist who I think is, to me, everything I'm talking about. She's kind of. And what's her name? Her name's Truly Hall. Okay. And her work is multimedia, and they. She makes these. She makes video and paintings that are interrelated, mm-hmm. and it's. I never know if it's the. It, it, it starts with the idea, and then the idea transforms into this really organic unraveling, and it it's deeply psychological. It's very layered, and then and then and then physically, all the videos follow this incredible structure of live performance, clamation, and CGI. So she's really inventing Mixed these media. worlds. Mm-hmm with her own hands with her own direction and choreography 
and then the filter of CGI. So it's not just she's using all kinds of technology, hand, mm -hmm. the most basic, I mean, inclinations like the most basic thing. And then the live action, which is really about her being a director and a choreographer. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't perform herself. So I'm kind of obsessed with this idea of her really as a director mm -hmm. and as a creative director. And she builds the sets and she creates the sets and then the sets become part of the work. So it's this multi-layer um, kind of reveal of, of the entire process and they love things that are really process oriented so like the Pornhub show is it all artists you represent no. or no 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 no, no, no. truly is the only one that I work with that's okay in the exhibition so how how did you curate the show I mean like were these all artists you knew of or did you specifically go out to look for I, new artists for this show? I started with a really specific list and okay. I had kind of an idea in mind and I guess you know what wait pause because like I want let's just I want to how did the show even come about like what what was the first conversation about it did you approach Pornhub did Pornhub no. approach you uh how did it come about do you know Andrew Richardson mm -hmm. so Andrew and I have been friends for one billion years mm -hmm. literally from the dawn of mankind and I was, I guest edited um, a Richardson magazine and uh, it was a version of what this exhibition is. Which one was it? It was... Uh, Who was on was the cover? It, it was Sasha Gray. And okay. I, and I ended up interviewing her. Okay. My interview with Sasha's in that. And I actually, I was... I love female porn performers mm -hmm. who are interested in it mm -hmm. in a, in an empowered way mm -hmm. and then use it and become directors and 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 relish in it it's not it's for them a safe mm -hmm. it's like a safe and determined place mm -hmm. and and I I really enjoy talking to her have you always felt that way or is that something that came from your conversation with Sasha no I have been I'm not I don't watch porn. Mm -hmm. I the conceptual idea of it is super intriguing and really interesting. I think for me as a concept, as an art, as an art. Oh, absolutely, I do think porn's art. Do you believe all porn is art? Uh, oh, that's a really interesting question. Is it like it's all interesting porn is art, because but not all art is porn kind of thing? Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's what the show's trying to do. It's right. It's the idea that um, porn can be content. Mm -hmm. the The idea is in this day and age, a woman should be able to be liberated. Mm -hmm. And go out in the world and walk down the street naked, mm -hmm. and it not mean anything mm -hmm. except for she wants to be naked. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, is that our much like a man walking down the street without a shirt on. Exactly, but it, our culture doesn't allow that. Right, and it should be second nature. It should be people fuck, people have sex, people have anal sex, people do this, people do this, and it's it's for me that that visual. Where what's the difference between a porn film? It doesn't need to be a narrative. I mean, there, 
does I mean a narrative I mean a narrative is there's narrative film and then there's performance and gesture and you know there's different layers of porn I mean is like can amateur the sex porn itself just be the narrative and that's and it the, exactly right. that's what I'm saying it's like does it need to be part of this bigger more profound thing or can it just be the sex I, I think the act of sex in and of itself and it's performed is a form of art if filmmaking is art and music is art and I, I just think it's another discipline so and does it, that mean like back to my original question does that mean yes all and porn it is, is it, art? and it is entertainment. Mm -hmm. Is all porn? I, I don't know. I'm now like stunned with the question, and I'm sitting with it. I, I have I, to admit, like, I how don't do you know feel either. about it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because it's hard to say that this film is. Well, then you have to break down what pornography is. I mean, in my, I, I mean, this gets into the really right. tricky. In tricky. in my eyes, pornography is you know a a, a work as content that's made it's for the purpose of of turning people on right so here's maybe one difference is art is about uh pointing that out mm -hmm. but you actually don't reach orgasm by experiencing mm -hmm. it where porn actually the goal is to reach orgasm right. or the goal is to be satisfied and art is an value fine art let's just say fine mm -hmm. art is the evaluation of that or say a film that's very sexual but its goal isn't to get you to orgasm at mm -hmm. the end mm -hmm. is about using sex and sexuality as the content mm -hmm. and it's it's pointing out what the sort of um how do you say this where it points it out as part of the content. It's more subtle. Well, you watch a film that's really sexy, but it's not actual porn, mm -hmm. and you don't you don't end up mm -hmm. having an orgasm. I mean, I guess back in the day before there was real the porn that we have access to, I'm sure there were really sexy movies or Right. That, well, I that, was just thinking about what you were saying about, you know, if a woman could walk down the street completely naked, then the purpose of porn, I guess, would not necessarily be to make people orgasm. It could right. just be its own standalone art in a gallery and we could just appreciate it for the beauty that it is. But it's also about the power of the woman because that's what the show's kind of about. Mm -hmm. This idea that just because a woman's naked, she's not necessarily sexual. And it's yes. not and she it's that. not necessary that she's naked to fuck to have an orgasm to reach that end. Like right. she's naked because her body is naked and she makes a choice to be naked right. and she's empowered and there shouldn't have to be the the end result right. of being fucked. Like a naked like she woman shouldn't isn't be by definition vulnerable. sexual. Exactly. Right? She w shouldn't be vulnerable to having to have to have sex. Right. Like in porn, I see... When someone watches my video, like, I'm choosing for that to be sexual, right? Correct. And that's like, what I think is interesting about I want about to porn. be seen as sexual. Exactly. And that's what makes it but sexual. But even am amateur porn is like that. Mm -hmm. They want to share what they find to be sexual. And mm -hmm. that, you know, look, I'm I, I talking out my ass because I'm not a porn export, expert at all. I'm looking at this kind of, I don't want to say clinically, but kind of really from afar objectively, objectively and analytically mm -hmm. and it's something I'm incredibly interested in and mm -hmm. I'm interested in because society has pushed it to some weird edge mm -hmm. and has made it taboo and they've made 
so many things taboo and and what and when and Picasso at one point was taboo. I mean, these things were breaking boundaries. Right. And but that's also kind of what makes it interesting. That's though. what makes it super interesting. Like if, and that and if that it makes the taboo, conversation. Would you be doing the Pornhub show? You know what I mean? It might not even interest a, you. I think that's a. There would be no story really there. Good, I think that's a really good question. Well, for me, the Pornhub show is really coming out of this moment where I do th- see content cleansing happening. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the '90s when I was kind of growing up and coming into my own. There was an interest in in subversive culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an interested. I was interested in magic. I thought that sex was uh, really something that was in conversation and amplified at the craziest time ever, which was uh, during the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. So you had something, you know, sex equal death. Mm-hmm. Yet there were a lot of artists that were trying to reclaim their sexuality at this moment where I don't, I, it's just, I mean, maybe it's just the way that I walk around the art world, but I don't see so many artists using sexuality and kind of, I mean, there's, I can name, I mean, few artists that are kind of breaking down those boundaries of, of, of being subversive or even being a degenerate like what's wrong with being a degenerate Mm -hmm. there should not be anything censored you should be able to explore whether physically conceptually you know like the word degenerate shouldn't even have a negative connotation to begin with right right but it does it does yeah like everyone's coded everything like Mm -hmm. everything has these certain codes and parameters Mm -hmm. and you know if art is going to be something that you breaks boundaries you brought up really something interesting like with the the AIDS crisis like is that because because I I do wonder like for myself personally do I consider porn art I mean I guess I kind of have to like as a porn star I almost but you also direct don't you I have directed it's honestly like not my favorite I like producing my own stuff like I'm doing a lot of amateur stuff now and I really enjoy that right do I enjoy directing two people having sex not really not my thing I appreciate it mm-hmm. um but it's not my thing but like I, I do wonder like why is porn not seen as art and now I'm kind of thinking like as we're it's talking, cultural it's cultural it's really been it's like what I was saying when we started the conversation was mm-hmm. brand and I think you get relegated into certain things like mm-hmm. porn is like the, something that is private it's something you know the Playboy magazine existed under the mattress mm-hmm. uh, and there's something I think very very culturally I mean it's been I mean that's why I'm so interested in in the pleasure principle one of the one of the things we're doing is there was a female director who was the most prolific female director in history named Doris Wishman and she started making films in the 60s up until she died in the early 2000s and she started making uh films in the when she was about 40 and it was a way for her to deal with the death of her husband. Mm. And she started making films which were naturalist, nude women, like in a field, naked. And then they started turning, you know, to soft core and then 
to porn and she you know Annie Sprinkle was in several of Mm -hmm. them uh I think one of her major features featured Chesty Morgan who I'm kind of obsessed with wait but hold on pause like I feel like at what point at what point so we're showing go from art to porn like what where is there a definitive like right there that is when on before this it was art and after this point it was pornography i think it's really murky and the reason why doris wishman's in the show is to kind of exhibit this narrative Mm -hmm. of this first of all the way i think that porn i can't even call it porn the way film the i don't even know what kind of filmmaking you would call it um changed over the course of the years like it went from these films just being there's no sex act right but that would be the film you'd walk watch to jerk I wonder, off you know what i wonder if then maybe the definition of porn is actually not like maybe the definition of porn is like when it i, I guess exactly what we said in the beginning is it is when it's created to make someone masturbate to turn someone on right even though we describe that's the pornographic things as you know a naked female that's what that's how it's initiated right or that's how it's conceived it's i guess it's in that's the, the motivation intention. in right. the intention motivation yeah huh wow you know what i i really like that i think definition. we're exploring this idea the thing i like about this interview is i'm just we're, you're hitting me with questions that i'm kind of thinking about <laughs> on the spot it's funny i'm a huge fan of porn and it's I don't use it. I mean, it's so, it's so silly. No, I... But it's something I really, really respect. I, and it's something I'm very interested in. And, you know, people talk about, you know, how it's an awful industry and how women are treated and this, that, and the other thing. But, I mean, look at the Me Too movement. I mean, look how women have been treated mm-hmm. in all industries. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's really interesting you say that because that's exactly my interest in porn as well. Um, even wanting to get into porn before I was in the industry, I was not a porn watcher. And yeah. like, I think that always blows people's minds because you would, you know, you assume someone watches porn, wants to be a porn right. star and that's it. And that's how it happens. But no, like I've always been obsessed with sexuality. Yes, and just me too. This idea of porn. Yes. And the concept of porn to me is super interesting. And I wanted to be that. Not so much, right. you know, I was watching porn and I saw this one right. actress and now I want to be her. Like, it, it wasn't like that. Um, so I, I think I think that's, that's super, super interesting. I feel that way too. I just hate my body so much. I don't think I could ever be a porn star. I mean, I think we all hate our bodies so much. And I, then, I don't even you know, and now I'm middle-aged and the last thing on my mind is having sex. But I'm very interested in sexuality. It, it's... Just for one second, you you brought up the Me Too thing, and I'm wondering, like, it just makes me think of, do you separate the artist from the art? Like, is that? That's an interesting question. Sometimes, sometimes not. Depends. Depends on what? How good the art is? No. Or how horrible the person is? (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, sometimes I think that their narrative and their personality is what char- um, empowers and charges gives a charge to the art. And sometimes I think it's it's not that. It's something it's some it's coming from somewhere else. That's 
Did you watch the Kanye West interview um, with David Letterman I, recently? Uh, I'm such an asshole. I have been meaning to because I'm fascinated so, by him. Me too. I'm fascinated too. by Kanye. Same. Um, and he said something really interesting that reminds me of what you're talking about right now. But he said, you know, he's basically talking about his presence in the media and yeah. how people perceive him as mm-hmm. this like crazy guy. That We were talking about that in the beginning. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, he, and he says, you know. If you like an artist for their crazy art, like it's possible it's coming from a crazy person. Right. Um, you know, not to say like he's mentally ill, whatever, whatever, but like he might not be a conventional person. Like that's that. I like that word. I like that idea about conventionality, mm-hmm. like who's conventional. But the problem is, is society is determining what's conventional and what's right. not conventional. What's normal. Like at what's the end not. of the day, it's like I might be the most conventional person you ever met, but I'm interested in all these things. Mm-hmm. Right. It's such a fine line. I mean, we're bringing – I don't know if we're going to come up with any answers today, but I think we're bringing up some issues, which are things that I'm really interested in and I'm exploring. And I – there's a lot of ideas I have, and I don't – I'm just working it out. Yeah. And this show is inspiring. I mean, I would love to – keep working on the show. I just – I think it's a challenge because I do think the art world feels like they don't want to be – in bed so mm-hmm. to speak with porn because I do think it, there's some you know there's porn Las Vegas mm-hmm. all these things like porn and Las Vegas are my two favorite things right now <laughs> and I'm probably one of the few people in the art world that can say that and I'm just interested in culture that is not run-of-the-mill I'm wondering now like is it a luxury that you're able to say that like is it because you oh, are this established person right. in the art and they're world. Like, oh, she's an intellectual, and she's using this as a pursuit. Like and a person, da, 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 da. a person not as well known as you might not even be able to put on a Pornhub show. Absolutely, would not be able to put on a Pornhub show actually, and be respected for it. Or do or do a show with Jim Carrey's political cartoons. Right. That was really interesting to me. That I, he, I, I would imagine he'd have to do it with someone, the right person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or else, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, so when I wrote a book, I purposely chose a publisher. I had more, I had bigger money offers from Yeah, but Grove Lesser, Press. It, exactly. It, uh, you know, they're like a very pretentious publishing house. And I needed that, honestly, to like, but they've also for people been, to take me seriously at all. But you they're know? also really edgy and they mm-hmm. they are like a gallery. They curate mm-hmm. the books that they publish and they're mm-hmm. a very specific publishing house so I feel like a person like Jim Carrey who is not known for his art necessarily who is kind of known to be this wacky guy like needs to be with the right yeah who contextualizes it in its appropriate way where it's just not being dismissed as a celebrity making art but as an artist making an important statement in a moment in time and again it goes back to the thing I said in the beginning about urgency and for example I think the show the pleasure principle that we're, I'm working on now is urgent because I think people are forgetting that be, it's kind of a double-edged sword because of pornography. I think people are becoming more and more alienated from their bodies mm-hmm. and they're become more and more alienated from having to go out and actually have sex because mm-hmm. you can reach orgasm very ironic. from sitting. It's very ironic, but at the same time, I'm interested in doing a show which is about fucking and touching and feeling okay about it and going back to basics mm-hmm. 
and it, it, it there's this double-edged sword when it comes to pornography right now mm-hmm. because it, it is inhibiting, I think, certain people from going out. And then you have Tinder and technology. Porn which- is just one huge double-edged sword. I mean, like, even think about, you know, a company like Pornhub. Great that... Pornhub is normalizing sex. Yes. Is, you know, normalizing things like anal sex, like you said before. But also at the same time, like, what the fuck? How is this a 10-year-old's first introduction to sex? That's That's the other good. See, that's where I also get shit. People are like, how are you promoting a company in which, you know, children have access to information Mm -hmm. on the internet? And the answer to that is you can't you can't deny technology. Right. And that's just the part of the world we live in. Right. And interestingly, we live in a really technological world and we can find out information, but the information we're being given to is all over the place anyway. Also, the problem is the problem isn't that porn porn sites exist on the mm-hmm. internet. The problem is that people going to porn sites know nothing about sex, right? And may not feel that they have to go out and actually have sex because they're already achieving what sex would achieve for them. So, I mean, that's where I start getting a little like, "Mm -hmm." like if people Mm -hmm. stop having sex and enjoying their bodies, it's like, then what do we become? Mm -hmm. But if sex weren't this shameful, private thing... That wouldn't even be an issue. It's not like like we don't look at action films and think like, oh, man, like people are just watching these crazy drivers in these movies. And And like that's where they're learning how to drive. And then, you know what I mean? Like no one's going to want to drive any other way than that. Like it's it's that's not the case. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think you watch porn to learn about sex. I think kids do now because they have nowhere else to go. Well, that's true. That's the problem. That's true. Um, So I think like adults, I think you watch it to enjoy, but that's not how you learn. That's not how you really learn. Like they're doing something that like I don't, like A, it's performative. So it's kind of like I can't do I I'm I can't do the stunts that they do in an action movie. I certainly can't do the stunts that a lot of those. I like I I don't even know how to do. I think you. I think you as a reasonable adult can think that, but I don't. I don't know that the ten-year-old boy, right, can think like that. And I, I think it's really unfortunate that, like, like take anal sex. Mm-hmm. Anal sex to me stresses me out. If I, <laughs> if I have to have anal sex, I'm like, I'm on a fast. I'm giving myself colonics. I'm giving myself enemas. And my biggest fear. It's not something I don't feel like anal sex. I can just I got to work it up. It's got to be a conversation. Yeah. It's got to be like, OK, I need an appointment. Mm-hmm. I can't just get fucked in the ass. No, you need 24 hours. You notice need for that uh, shit. you need some notice. You need some preparation. It's you know, if someone's going to go down on me, I'm going to make sure there's no toilet paper stuck down right. there. I mean, it's funny because in my head, maybe this is just because and I think this isn't everybody I just think I'm a neurotic person so I want to make sure it's all good so I can't just go go to a bar get drunk and get fucked in the bathroom like I could never plus I think that's gross like right, unsanitary right. I'm a germophobic <laughs> so it's really interesting that I watch porn like that but honestly me sexually I'm so neurotic about the whole thing and I'm just like watching the hand I'm like that doesn't go I don't want to get a urinary tract infection where's that finger going if you're going to put that finger there that finger doesn't go anywhere else 
And then even when I masturbate, I use alcohol swabs. I mean, it is so insane it, that I'm so interested in sex. But me personally, I'm like a human condom. It's just like, I don't, I was like, I don't want to get You're any. like, where's my hazmat suit? Exactly. It's so unsexy too sometimes because I'm so stressed out about getting, you know, getting a urinary tract infection or, you know, E. coli coming from the you know putting a but thing but that's thing. the thing about porn is we're neurotic about those things too and we're perhaps way more neurotic yeah, about but those when things you watch it you don't else. know that you don't people it, i was just gonna so say kid watches it and they think they could just stick their everyone's you know, asshole is ready for anal yeah, 24 no, 7 um no. you know you want to wax it you exactly. want to make sure it's not da 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 you want to make sure you also want to make sure you've gone to the bathroom. Right. I mean, God forbid you can't do that fucking constipated. I no. mean, that's a mess. No. And you don't want a mess. No, you don't want a you mess. You don't want your nice frate sheets to get all pooped on. <laughs> but that's what I mean is this: the 10-year-old boy doesn't know that. Right. And for him to learn that from Pornhub, wherever, is Maybe there not needs okay. to be disclaimer videos. <laughs> there but needs no to one be would dis- watch that. No one even watches the dialogue. <laughs> Can you imagine the first before you get into the sex thing? There's a disclaimer video, like okay, you will watch this kind of sex, but actually, like like a safety message. As a honestly, like as as the person making the porn, I honestly wish that were a thing. I wish we could put that there and everyone would watch it. Honestly, like that would be great, but you know, the reality is no one would watch that. So so the show is. All female artists. You know, it's tricky. I would have loved to have opened it up. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, what was the... They're just, just, in terms of space, I'm one person. I'm human. Mm -hmm. It's to open up a pan, a pansexual show. Ugh, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I feel that there was a very specific directive with Pornhub in the sense that they are Mm -hmm. uh, sponsoring female artists. They Mm -hmm. are sponsoring female uh, directors. And I thought, okay, in kind of tradition with that, let's just, you know, within that theme, let's just keep that going. Mm -hmm. Also, I have done two previous all-female exhibition Mm -hmm. so I I felt I feel comfortable with it Mm -hmm. although if this show is successful and we want to put it on the road I'm going to open it up to men absolutely Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I, 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 I hear what you're saying on it's hard to make a pansexual show with all females obviously but also like I feel like from my point of view it's just there's too many artists also like I feel like we know what the male gaze is when it comes to Absolutely. sexuality. Like that is already Absolutely. there. We know. Everyone knows. We're born knowing that yes. shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's everywhere. No, for sure. Whereas I think the female gaze when it comes to sexuality is something like we are all interested in. And it's kind of sad that we don't even know what that is. And we have to question like well, what it, you know. So back to the question, how did the show come about? Oh, shit. That, have you know, we, have I not answered that? Have I not answered that? No, Andrew, uh, Andrew, uh, I'm trying to figure out what happened. I think Pornhub was interested in supporting, I don't know what came first, whether Andrew pitched it to them Mm -hmm. or they were sort of looking for an exhibition to happen under their auspices, mm-hmm. which I know that they've been doing at the Museum of Sex. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I, I, I am not sure. Anyway, it landed on my lap and I didn't, it didn't take me two seconds to think about it. I was like, this sounds great. Like it wasn't. Which is how you said you decide things to begin with, right? Sometimes. Like you know. Oh, oh You yes. just know. I know. Yes. Yeah. I always know. Sometimes I like labor over things and people, mm-hmm. and people whisper in my ear and then I get fucked up about it. And I did have a lot of people say to me like, yeah. you can't do that Pornhub so that's, show. That's You're exactly... going to ruin your brand. You're going to do this or that. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Does that make you what... want to do it more? <laughs> Because I am a contrarian. Yeah. You're, and a, I think you're kind of like punk in that way, right? I'm really punk, unfortunately, even though I'm sitting here like an old gram, like farty grandma um, in this context over here. Yeah, but uh, your core, I feel my like. My core is just, I just, I will go to an extreme. It's like you said, you're a disruptor. I, I'm a disruptor. I will go to any extreme. So I, I almost wonder, like, if people weren't in your ear saying don't do it, would it even be interesting to you? <laughs> No, this I had no qualms about mm-hmm. doing because I'm also, like I said, I think the art world is gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think it's very, very narrow and it's mm-hmm. very, very narrow minded. And mm-hmm. I think it's become very, um, it's a real industry. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of protocol and I think there's a lot of parameters. And I feel like I'm being suffocated and I don't want to be told what to do. And I feel like I'm being told, like, you've got to do that art fair. You've got to do this. You've got to behave in a certain way. You've got to show this kind of art because that's what sells. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And I'm just like, eh, no, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't. I can do. And and that's why. And I also am really interested. I mean, Pornhub is an important force. Mm-hmm. You could say whatever you want. Everybody watches it mm-hmm. or everybody knows about mm-hmm. it. And in terms, and it's like, and it, and it invented the internet. Porn invented the mm-hmm, internet. That's mm-hmm. that's. It, they say it's like eighty percent of the internet for so. sure. So it being, an art should be everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I just think this interest. Like again, I'm talking about this intersection of technology and entertainment, and I think the intersection of the most ubiquitous place on the internet and art seems logical. I mean. That's maybe it's hard to maybe I'm not I'm explaining it too broadly but for me it just it just seemed like the right the right the the right collaboration right and I actually like think the museum of sex is really interesting be like the biggest most widespread medium of art <laughs> well it's the most widespread medium period oh, yeah, and right. and the thing is is like people are talking about you know museums are for everyone everything's for everyone mm-hmm. art is everywhere but at the same time, art's behaving elitistly, mm-hmm. elitistly. So there's kind of this weird, mm-hmm. it, it's weird. But porn's not elitist. Mm-hmm. Is porn elitist? No. I mean, that's what I like about it. And that's what I think it's, that's what I think is interesting about it. I, I mean, like, what would an elitist porn even, what would elitist porn even be? I mean. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think, like, even within porn, would that be what we consider, like, a feature? Like, a porn with dialogue? I mean, oh not- yeah, is that like a better porn yeah. than porn without dialogue? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, even within sex work, you see, you know, strippers look down on porn stars, look down on hookers, look down on. It's like a circle yeah. of, you know. But, um, but I, I mean, I the whole thing about sex workers is like, aren't we all sex workers? I mean, yeah, it's aren't just not for money just, necessarily. Aren't we all just? We all are. I I believe that. I I truly believe we all whore ourselves out at one point for yeah, one thing or another. Yeah, and it's not just for sex. It's like whoring out for everything. 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 I you mean, you know, you bat your eyelashes to get right. something. Yeah. And I, 
and I, I'm, I don't feel bad about it. No, either. I don't either. I think that's the way the world works. Yeah, I don't feel that's bad about it. That's what keeps the world. I just want to stop. The you earth know, turning. I was born guilty, and I'm just really working on not trying to feel guilty anymore. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Shame and guilt are really horrible things that will break you down and if you can somehow I mean shame's a big one yeah and you know fear shame guilt all these things I feel like that's what clogs my throat and it's not even a real thing it's not it's it's a narrative that you create in your head right it's all a narrative right and it's all you know and it comes from a place of fear right it's a social construct oh yeah so I mean, there's right. days that I'm afraid to go outside because I'm embarrassed. Right. Like, you and say, I don't know why I can't even explain you it. You say we're born guilty. Yeah, we're but born guilty. We're not born ashamed. Right. Shame comes is right. conditional. Yeah. Hmm. Is conditioned. Well, I think this is a step in the right direction. A Pornhub show. <laughs> yeah, it's I can't say it's been therapy. Has it been therapeutic? It's really inspiring. It's I wonder been if that's inspiring. yet to come too. Like, but I don't. I don't think I need sex therapy right now. Um, it's for me. It's not. It's not therapeutic. It's very inspiring. I'm very inspired, and I'm very inspired to be collaborating mm-hmm. with a company like Pornhub. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's really, and I would like to do more collaborations with people who know that what they do is. Uh, I'm really interested in these large scale companies who are also interested in this kind of minutia mm-hmm. of, of culture that they want to support instead mm-hmm. of just perpetuating their own, their own brand on and on and on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Pornhub's doing some really interesting things yeah. and I love, I, you know, I love the shows that they're supporting at the museum of sex and, you know, they're going to be so open-minded on, on it, they're an open-minded brand and mm-hmm. the fact that they're kind of concentric circling out um i think is really important i really like the direction Pornhub is taking with things like this art show for example yeah like i think well they're doing more and more philanthropic things like this yeah and and i just think it's it you know it's it's one of those things i'm sure Pornhub didn't sign up for this responsibility do you know what i mean yeah they don't no have to do they don't have company. to they don't have to do anything they're making hand over fist money they just they they could also not give a shit. Right, ex- exactly. And very easily. Much easier to not give a shit. Right. But I think they also, like, really see realistically their place in the world right now. And something does need to be done about... I just think you how need how much shame is around sex. Right. And I think that they're, they're a safe place to be disruptive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't... It's almost like you can't go out and... Like, if you go and tweet, you're going to get yelled at. You're going to, I mean, there's, you put it out there, you can say it, it's uncensored, but then there's all this backlash Mm -hmm. and there's almost more safety Mm -hmm. in being a performer or being an amateur or being whatever, because you're just, you're only expressive. Like there's no, like, where's the, there's also, once you've shown everything, showing a little is no problem, right? Like, it's, it's you have nothing left to lose. Right, but who's screaming and yelling at, about, like, there's no comment. Mm-hmm. Like, who's, like, who's, like, why, how do you judge? Like, you can't, you're on a porn website. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you judge? Mm-hmm. Like, what are mm-hmm. you going to judge? Right. Where on every other venue, like, everything's judged and everyone has a language which they use to judge it. Right. 
I mean, is there a comment section? I there mean, is. And oh yeah, there so is I'm a talking out section. my ass here. No, but you know what? But what are the comments like? So or the what? comments are not as negative as other sites. Right. That's what I mean. It's like who's um, going to scream at a porn? It's it's kind of it's like. I don't even want to say too easy. It's just like, what's the point? Like, what what's even the fun in that? <laughs> right? Like, are the comments... Is it like Yelp? It's... <laughs> it's like, like five ten, stars. Ten, ten would watch again. Like, five stars. Like, this... Da, 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 the da, comment da. section on Pornhub is really interesting because I do wonder, like, who is commenting and at what point are they commenting? Like, are you taking a break from masturbating? And wait, I, I'm major I have to, and then you continue. I don't know. I have to I have to uh, research this. I think I need to interview a Pornhub commentator. Because why, why would you? What's that's the really, yeah, exactly. Like, what are you gaining from that? Unless well, you're just you're or it's like being a fan and you want to express your I don't course. know. I don't know. But, I don't know what the comments are like. But like also. It's not the same thing as being a, a fan of any other medium, though, because like you you go to another medium and it's like, yeah, you want to you're not masturbating. Your dick isn't in your hand or your pussy isn't in your hand. So it, it's like when. To me, like when you're masturbating, it's such a single minded, focused thing. Yeah. Like, oh, the yeah. goal is to come. It's, yeah, you're it. not. It's not. Yeah. For you're me. not like, let me take a little detour over yeah. here and leave a comment. And, and me, I'm just like, it's like a little thing. And I'm just like, do I have to do that oh. right now? Like, that it doesn't take much time. But then it's like, I got to get up. I got to clean my hands. It's still like, it's still a process. And sometimes yeah. I'm just like in the middle of the night. I'm just like, ah, fuck it. I'll just go And, and it's leaving a comment part of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you just going to add another step? Not yeah. really. I wonder. I don't know. But we're coming actually to the end of the interview. But I had one question that's like yes. completely unrelated to, to porn that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are artists. I have a lot of friends who I consider to be insanely talented artists. What? So and maybe there's a listener out there who considers themselves to be an amazing artist. And like, what does it how do you get noticed by an art dealer? I really that the most question. obnoxious? No, it's not question. an obnoxious question. I just, I've just been doing it for so long that I can't, I can't like, even assess it. How does something fall into your lap? I is it word of mouth? Is it knowing the right? Well, people? it depends. It depends at what place you are. In the beginning, when I started the gallery, honestly, I would have to say I had been working in the art world for nine years already. So I had been out there. I had been looking. I had seen exhibitions at museums. I've seen muse uh, exhibitions at other galleries. I've had colleagues say, oh, absolutely, go visit this person. I mean, colleagues that I really respected. So I was given a lot of context mm -hmm. for the artists that I showed. So word of mouth, it sounds like. It's, well, it was both. Mm -hmm. It was things that I discovered on my own, and it was word of mouth. And, you know, for example, someone like Truly – I didn't know anything about her work and a friend of mine was like oh you know you might like this work I don't know maybe not you should go it's interesting and so it was word of mouth and then I went it was like oh my god this is totally my thing I love this right. it's like my favorite thing I've seen so like let's say let's say your nephew was an artist just graduated art school right like what would your what would your advice to him be uh like what's the first step uh, in the right direction oh, 
Well, the thing I've been saying to artists, young artists now, is to find a group of friends and put on an artist-run exhibition, even if it's for one evening, show. like a group show or a solo show or whatever. But you kind of got to take it into your own hands. Because mm-hmm. if you're like, well, it's interesting because what happens is, okay. Because you can't just wait for an art dealer to walk no, into your No, 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 no. You have to be proactive. Yeah. And sending your slides to galleries is not going to get you any well slides not. I mean what am I from 1970 <laughs> sending your images or emailing your images aren't going to get you anywhere the way I think it's interesting and what I tell young young artists like well, what do I do first of all art school is a great launching pad although I think art school is also very expensive and you end up getting in debt and it's still a gamble whether or not you become a successful mm-hmm. artist but art school is the first place where people kind of interact with art dealers critics um curators mm-hmm. I mean, they you know the kind of like schools. joining scientology for the contacts kind R- of thing. for the contacts <laughs> exactly there's great contacts and they go and they do crits and so on and so forth and so that's how you get kind of your first introduction and there might be a dealer be like wow this works great i'm going to give you mm-hmm. an exhibition or i'm going to put you in a group show or i'm going to mention you to a younger gallery or whatever 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 or i'm going to mention you to a collector so the art school thing helps um the other thing that i tell artists Harder to do in New York, but I also tell artists to move to places like Philadelphia, Detroit, and live cheaply so they could just make their art. Mm. And so that's it's one idea I give a lot of people, and just kind of live in a bubble for a mim- minute if you could do that financially. Mm-hmm. I mean, financial is a big part of this enterprise. Right. And then the other thing I've told um, younger artists who want, you know, who are very interested in promoting their work to do motivated, like self-motivated shows with either other young artists and make sure that they invite critics, um, you know, do something inventive, do something interesting, Mm -hmm. you know. Something that stands out. You know, maybe make cupcakes. I don't know. I mean, if somebody said that they were going to have donuts in an art show, my fat ass would be there. I'd be like, hell yeah, I don't care what the art, art is like, free freaking donuts, and maybe I discover, like, an interesting young artist. Uh, sure. Or, like, See, rent. See, we do all horror ourselves out. Or rent a donut shop for an afternoon and do an art show and invite a couple of critics. I mean, you have to gain, You have, it's about getting attention, because honestly, there are thousands and millions of artists and galleries, da 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 and the competition's fierce and crazy, and it's not that one artist is necessarily better than the other artist, because... You know, I see crappy art all the time that I'm like, how are they in that gallery? Like, mm-hmm. what is that? Who's buying that? What is, you know, because it is subjective. Mm-hmm. So I may not like something somebody else does, but but there's no rhyme or reason. My answer is there's no rhyme or reason. And if you want to break out in the art world or even, and, and the other thing I think people don't think about, are they're parallel art worlds. I last night was driving home and I went through these little towns, New Hope and Lambertville. There's all kinds of tiny galleries. Mm-hmm. And they were packed. Mm-hmm. There were tourists going in. And I can't say that that art is better or worse than any other art. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were competent, totally competent paintings and sculpture that I thought, you know, totally interesting. And there is a demographic for that. Will that end up at MoMA? Absolutely not. Will one of the major top 10, you know, art news collectors buy any of this art never in a million years but it exists in this parallel universe where it's an art it's made by an it's art it's made by an artist and the artist survives mm-hmm. on the sale of these arts in these like so it's not little, that there's one art world and there's that not one art, art world, world is new york la 
No, not at all. I mean, go to Vegas. There's like a million galleries there, and they're all making hand over fist. Mm -hmm. But you've never heard of any of those artists. Mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. not in any museum. But those are legitimate galleries. Those are legitimate artists. And they are bought by people, and they are in their homes, mm -hmm. and they're being enjoyed. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, fuck it. If something brings you joy, if you like something, and – you know, who cares if it came from Gagosian Gallery or if it came from the New Hope, blah, dee, blah, like mm -hmm. gallery of whatever. Um, you know, I was reading a local newspaper in New Hope and they were talking about the gallery shows and the artists that are in it. And, you know, they were like, it is an abstract. This is an abstract exhibition. I mean, it's just, it's sweet. And you know, and I have a feeling that that work probably sells more than when I do a big exhibition and the work is really expensive and really big and really hard to unwieldy, like I may sell one. And then these little exhibitions and people come in, they're like, oh, I like that painting. And it's like 300 to like a thousand dollars and they buy it and it lives in their house. Like my uncle has these great little paintings um, that he bought at this little gallery new hope and i was like whoa these paintings are great and he's like yeah i paid 300 dollars for them right i and guess great right. i would live with them and it is a subjective thing i guess and and the way you just said like fuck it like who cares if it brings you joy right if it, it brings you joy to make it yeah and it brings a purchaser that's such a pure way to look at it i think I, if art doesn't stay pure and i'm just a traditionalist when it comes to that which is why I think the art world's really corrupted because it's right. not pure. And I started with the intention of keeping art pure. Mm -hmm. And I tried my best. And then I succumbed to the bullshit. And now I'm trying to unravel myself mm -hmm. from that very oppressive, claustrophobic environment that I found myself in. And I'm trying to unravel myself from there and kind of just do what I want to do. I'm middle-aged. I got to just – I got to start it's over. It's so interesting. I'm in the same place in my life right now with porn. And I, I imagine, started from a place where I just wanted to shoot porn. I just wanted to and shoot then porn because a, I love and it. And then you became a superstar. And then, and you know, it's not that I ever stopped enjoying making porn. Right. But I definitely but was then, doing not the kind of porn I was necessarily into. You know, I was signed to a company for right. a while and it, it shooting once a month. So you get making, what I'm saying. Doing more dialogue days than sex days. You know what I mean? And it, now it changed I'm back it, to shooting myself, yeah. amateur style. And, yeah, it, and I, I feel more there's some pure relief about to that. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel. Hmm. I'm back to a gallery where I do whatever the fuck I want and I don't think about any... Well, that's the nice thing about the Pornhub show. It's just like it gave me an opportunity. Um, they also helped financially to put the show together. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't this stress mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of, okay, if I spend this money, will I get this money back? Da, da, da. It's sort of just like that's really great that I can kind of do what I want to do and do a great show in the pure way in that a you pure said. way that yeah. I would want to do it well I can't wait to see the show me too I'm very excited me too <laughs> <laughs> so um thank you so much for joining oh my god me. thank you so for what coming is over the here. information um for the show it's um start the show the exhibition opens on uh, September 21st at my gallery, which is at 300 South Mission Road in Los Angeles on the corner of 3rd Street. It's downtown. Uh, the opening evening will be, 
I don't know if it's going to be seven to nine or no, it'll be like seven to 10. And we will be viewing the Doris Wishman films uh, in the courtyard of the gallery. So that's going to be a really special event. And will there be donuts? <laughs> there will be food trucks and there will be um, a really cool mescal company has donated um, their bartenders and they're going to be making cocktails. Oh, and nice. so I think it's going to be a event. really fun event on the 21st. And then the ex- how long is the show going? So the show will go through the end of November, and it will be open Wednesday through Sunday. Typically, the gallery is closed on Sunday, but I thought an exhibition like this would also be really interesting to have open on the weekend. Also, a lot of the artist performers um, can only work on the weekends or only be there on the weekends. So the performances will be activated on Saturday and Sundays because. Because a lot of people, you know, can't make it during the weeks because they, during the week because they have other things to do. And also some artists will be flying in from New York. And so they'll, they will want to stay. They they just don't want to come in for a Saturday. They'll come in for a Saturday, Sunday. Is there somewhere online they can get all this information? Um, we are putting it together and I've been out of the loop. But I know that we've been in touch with Pornhub and there's going to be a landing page and then it'll also be on our announced on our website and on our Instagram, which Which is is uh, our website is macaron.net. I guess you say www. Do people do that still? I think you just say like macaron.net. World Wide Web. But like why? If every single website starts with it. Yeah, I think you just say it's it's our website's (laughs) macaron.net. Um, and, uh, our Instagram is, or a Mac, just put in like a macaron thing, like macaron gallery, maybe. All right. Well, I end every episode with the same 10 questions. Okay. They're the questions from inside actor studio. Okay. Have you ever been asked these? No. Okay. So just give a short answer. No explanation necessary. Uh-huh. Okay. What's your favorite word? Absolutely. What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on? Ideas. What turns you off? Uh, I get very frustrated by people that can't look at things but like people who are very um who have very finite people who are unflexible inflexible it's inflexible or unflexible i think it's inflexible but people that just make a decision and there's no way it could be changed and they're really stubborn i can't that i hate that and it, it makes me crazy what is your favorite curse word fuck what sound or noise do you love Sound or noise that I love. Yeah. Wish I had these questions before because I feel like a dipshit that I can't. A sound or a noise that I love. My father saying absolutely. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, the sound of my voice. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Film director. What profession would you not like to do? Social worker. (laughs) 
final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Fantastic job. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You're I'm I can I, I next time I want to interview you. Honest to God. <laughs> can I do that? Can yes, we do that? We can. <laughs> when you come to LA, can I for the pod talk to them? Because I want to interview you for this podcast. We can do that. <laughs> I'd be really into that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.